Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to The Michelle Mission, two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And as always, I am joined by my co-host. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. It's also Wednesdays 8 to 10 on G-Town Radio. How y'all doing? Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to go back to 1963 to review a film that was not only starring a young Ossie Davis, but it is uh, adapted from an original play that was written by Ossie Davis and performed on Broadway. That's right. And this film stars the entire original Broadway cast. This film is 1963's Pearly Victorious, Vincent's selection for this week's uh, stop on the Michaud mission. But before we get into that, as always, we take a moment to read our listener email and Twitter feedback. We appreciate all of you. That, Absolutely. That Absolutely. Email us at the mission, Michelle, excuse me, at Michelle mission at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter or uh, Facebook at the Michelle mission, such as our weekly follower, Robert Monroe, Robert Jr., Monroe, who coming off of our review of beyond the lights, uh, said that he, Two cannot wait to check out Nate Parker's Birth of a Nation. Yeah, when it opens up next next uh, in October. Uh, yes, yes, yes. A lot of thoughtful correspondence from Robert. Yeah, we always appreciate yeah, appreciate uh, how much he thinks about what we say and, and responds. And you know, yeah, he's always he's, he's always uh, a welcome discourse. Absolutely, with Robert Monroe Jr. We also were hit up uh, in our email. We got an email from Terry Jingles. Now, I said last week that his name may be Terry Gingles, but right, 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 right. in his email, he says, thanks for the shout out in the last episode that caught me off guard and you pronounced my last name correct the first time. It's <laughs> Jingles like Jingle Bells. Okay. So, All right. So Terry Jingles. Terry Jingles. There you go. I like Apologize that. for mispronouncing your name. We'll never get it wrong again. Never get it wrong again. All right. So Terry Jingles hisses up and says that you guys do an extremely dope job on your show. Oh, thanks. It's really good to hear some brothers dissecting and discussing film on a highly intelligent level. As a filmmaker, I listen to a lot of podcasts about film and grow tired of waiting to hear a review of a black film on these predominantly white podcasts. Your show is much needed. So keep it up. Thank you. Thank you. And I know how you feel. I do know. I, how I feel, know how so. you feel because I feel the same way. I do know how he feels. It's it, it and it sometimes it's very galling um and and uh um almost a little insulting on the weeks when you know probably the biggest film opening is the black film. Right. Such as when Straight Out of Compton comes out right. or something like that and you listen to your favorite movie review podcast and this week we're going to review um, uh, Mama's Little Slipper, a little-known independent film oh, that went straight to to uh, streaming video on Vimeo. You know, it's even worse when you when you actually hear a review of a black film, and the the reviewer goes to a part of the film that 
either you don't think is significant or is the part that is blatantly the only part that that reviewer can kind of um appreciate appreciate or understand yeah like i actually you know i'm reading all the reviews of the get down and i almost threw my my um ipad across the room i read a review um there's there's a part you know those of you haven't seen it but but in one of the episodes the main character meets the white daughter Mm -hmm. of of a very important person and she mentioned something about punk rock and the reviewer says i wish there was more about punk rock like punk rock was going on and i was like did you really just watch this whole thing about hip-hop and dance music mm-hmm. and the gay subculture and and graffiti and everything going on and you want to hear more about punk rock in it you're waiting for the ramones right 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 so i hear you terry we we hear you we certainly do we can guarantee that you'll hear a, a, a podcast about a black movie every week here on the michelle mission amen uh he also says um th- uh i'm taking i'm going a little bit out of order terry if you're listening to your following along with your email Uh, (laughs) i'm going to your last paragraph uh next and for reasons which will quickly be explained uh by the way i'm a huge fan of the james bond series (laughs) and (laughs) i thought that might cause a ruckus (laughs) if i'm totally honest it had more misses than hits collectively Mm -hmm. Honor Majesty's Secret Service is so underrated and, in fact, my favorite, followed okay. by Thunderball, Dr. No, Casino Royale, and Goldfinger. And yes, Roger Moore was horrible. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I, I, agree with, I agree with all of that. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I kind of agree, too. I don't know if I agree with, I don't know whether or not he's listing those movies in order. In order of which one he likes the right, best. So but, I don't know if know. I agree with that, but yeah. yeah Real heavy uh, Sean Connery, though. I mean, obviously. Yes. However, you know, you notice who snuck up on there. Um, yeah, your boy. Uh, Daniel Craig. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, and one last thing from Terry. Terry was a, he, he was he's a loquacious fellow. Okay, Terry. All right, I like that. On one uh, one last thing, a film suggestion to review. Okay, Mississippi Damned, which is currently streaming on Netflix. It's a very emotional ride for sure. Yeah. And in my opinion, Tessa Thompson smoked it. Okay. It's an interesting movie. Interesting movie. And uh, it's, uh, it's interesting that you say that. We've got a, a few announcements that we want to uh, kind of like put out there um, today. And that leads me into one of our announcements. We have one of the, the great things um, in hearing back from all of the people that have been listening to the show and following the show is that people have been letting us know like, hey, I can't wait for you to review this movie. Right, or, right, right. All of that. So in appreciation for that, we are taking the month of Thanksgiving, which would be November. Yes. And in showing thanks, all of our um, movie reviews will be listener um, recommendation. Yeah, request. Listener recommendation. request. Absolutely. Most certainly. So uh, we will put Mississippi Dam down there. We're going to go in order, though, we're going to go right, back right. to the very beginning where right, we right, started. When people have been requesting. Now, are you going? Are you going to do like you do with me? Are you going to put a moratorium on Spike Lee movies? I may. Okay. I may. I, I, but to be honest, I think uh, one of the movies that got suggested was Clockers. Which right, right. With 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 Dorian Missick, but right, you know, which we we have reviewed. We right, right. <laughs> 
I, I for some reason I don't think we should do rev- Spike Lee again till January. Okay, so so we we will do a moratorium on Spike. Yeah, right. So okay. if you if you requested a Spike Lee movie, just know we won't be doing that only because we've done so many. Right, right. Um, but anyone else, um, we're going to go through them. We're going to call through the list, and we're going to come up with a good. I think there's four weeks in. in there, there are four weeks now. There you go. And I thought maybe there, there was going to be an extra episode. In well, we're going to try and sneak an extra episode, actually, yeah. because Vince, um, unbeknownst to me, had a very special movie that he wanted to do for November. Because it's my birthday in November, and yes. I want to spend my birthday having fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we're going to have a very special uh, show that we're going to do in November for uh, Vince's birthday. Do you want to let them know what we're going to be reviewing? Oh. Oh, we're doing Tyler Perry's Temptation, a film by Tyler Perry. <laughs> yes. The funny thing is, it, it, I was thinking about doing either that or, um, or, um, oh my God, I just forgot the name of the Robert Townsend film where Ving Rhames is is the um oh wow i can't think of the name of the movie holiday heart holiday heart yeah 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 how much do i love holiday heart a lot of people love that this is a, this is a cute movie but 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 no i think i think i'm gonna go i'm gonna go big i'm gonna go big go big or go home go dog. big so so all right so viewer requests and you know god willing the crick don't rise we'll have a, a birthday celebration so you may have to actually be sitting down uh, in November for five, maybe we'll see. Like it, hey, God willing, the creek don't rise. There you go. Now I'm going to go back here to the second paragraph of okay. Terry's email. All right, because um, he he gave us a lot to chew on. All right, he said, "Hey, if you guys decide to review TV shows, oh boy, uh, quotations. This is a Black Renaissance era when it comes to us and TV, dude. And want to review Queen Sugar? Oh my God." You should look up one of my best friends, Omar Dorsey, because he's on the show. Hollywood. <laughs> he's Hollywood. He is. Dorian mentioned him in your interview with him. It would be a great convo, and I'm sure if he can, he'd love to do it. Um, Yo. <laughs> Did you see it? I'm going to put you on the spot. Did you watch the first episode yet? I have not watched it yet. Oh, my God. It's so good. I've heard. That. <laughs> I've heard. I've like, heard. like, <gasps> good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what I've heard. Now, it, the Queen Sugar, which is on the own. Network, it's on own. It's an Ava DuVernay's yes. series. Uh, and there's a different director for every, for every episode. episode. It's a different female director for yes. every episode. But. Yes. Now, is, do we know how many episodes that's going to be? I don't know how many episodes are are in the first season. You know, it's been renewed for yeah. second season already. So I don't know how many episodes, but I think, well, the first one came on. And then the second episode is this Wednesday. Right. It comes on Wednesdays. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it, well, first of all, this may be about the third time Queen Sugar has come up on our show. It's the second time Omar Darcy has come up on our show. He, he's really good, too. Yeah. Like, like it's a really interesting character. Like, it's a character you don't normally. Well, I'm sorry. I'm about to go. On, I'm about to go on a whole Queen Sugar. I see you. Well, because the, he, he plays he plays one of the characters. You, you know, you don't want to say boy. It always feels weird to call like grown ups boyfriends and girlfriends. True. But it, it's it's her 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 boyfriend basically. Right. And it's this really kind of. It's like she's almost the matriarch of the family, mm-hmm. but she's sexualized. Okay. And I think he's supposed to be younger than her, and it's all it's it's like a really, really 
interesting storyline that you don't see that often, if mm-hmm. at all, for you you know a woman over the age of basically thirty five. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, let me just add my my voice to the chorus. Good, good work all around, and you know, Terry certainly passed that on. Yeah, it's got a, a great cast. You've got uh, Rutina Wells. Wesley, Dawn Lynn Gardner, Kofi Sierbo, Tina Leifert. Oh, and, and, and let me just say this about Rotina Wells. She she is she is breathtaking. Rotina Wesley, yeah. I'm sorry, Rotina Wesley. Like I only saw a couple of episodes. What was that stupid I almost cursed, but Lynn's don't want me to curse. You know We're we're on radio now. Yes, that's the, 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 that's the, the Well, you know the modifier after stupid I was about to say with the yes. vampires in, on HBO. Oh, uh, True Blood. It's I don't know how they lit her on True Blood, but she's amazing in this. Yeah. Anyway, I can't even gush enough about Queen Sugar. So good. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Lynn. <laughs> Pump your brakes, dog. I know, but you know. <laughs> I'm real queen. Like, I'm real Queen Sugar right now, and I'm real Atlanta, and I'm real the get down right now. I see. I see. Now, from what I understand, at least looking here on um, Wikipedia, it looks like it, Queen Sugar is only scheduled to have five episodes. Really? Well, that can't be right. Well, I mean, oh, and shout out to Greenleaf. Yeah. I like Greenleaf a lot too. Greenleaf, you know, isn't as good as Queen Sugar, but I mean, goddamn, I don't think nothing is good as Queen Sugar at this point. But go but, ahead. Um, it, it, I mean, five. Six, look, sometimes look at the British. The British kind of like no, set this, no, you know, with six episodes. Stranger Things was what eight episodes? Eight episodes, yeah. And that murdered it. Yeah, you know. So and that has a black kid in it. And if and if you're talking about five episodes, even if they're an a, a full hour long, even and, if they're only forty two minutes, and long. It, and it's like a little movie, exactly. Like Shots it was like, like a, a movie. little movie. You're talking about a, a nice budget, on yeah, these yeah. So yeah. I'm not mad at it being five episodes long. Um, but speaking to Terry's uh, um, email that he sent yes. us in regards to Queen Sugar, me and Vince, we had a very interesting text messaging. Uh, I think we spent all of Sunday. I know. Text messaging. I know. You you would think. Apparently we don't spend enough time talking. I know. <laughs> I know. Just randomly we'll get into a text thing. Yeah, yeah. So we actually were texting about uh something similar to that. So what we have actually come up with it probably to be fair. I uh, know you was going to be announcing. That. I thought we was going to get but go ahead. Well, cuz I'm thinking I mean, uh, we here now. We here now, might as well. <laughs> and and I think it's Fair to say this probably won't debut till December. You know what I mean? It'll oh, be oh. like a nice little Christmas okay. for people. Because we're going to be doing a new monthly show. Monthly. Monthly. So, you know. Right, right, right. Um, that will revolve around TV. And yes. this black renaissance in television. Yeah, as, yeah, uh, yeah. Dear Terry's call it. It's going to be the Michelle Mission presents The Binge Lounge. Well, yeah, because Issa Rae's joint comes on in October, I think. I think right. Awkward comes on. And yeah. then, obviously, Luke Cage, Luke Cage is coming on. And then you've got Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. Got well, I just said, yeah, Atlanta. Yeah, you've got Atlanta. That's been on for a minute. Uh, so you've got, like, uh, a lot of stuff happening. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> this is insane. This is insane. This is the first time ever. That this has happened, ladies and gentlemen. We have a very, very special guest in the building. 
Well, you stopped by. I was about to say, you're here. <laughs> you're here. Special is a, uh, a stretch. Yo, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? Introduce yourself to the people of the show mission. What's going on, everybody? This is our son, the voice of reason, a.k.a. Super Tribble, the Black Tribbles. Um, I just got off the work, off of work and just needed to be around some grown folks. So I figured two of the, the grownest Negroes I know. <laughs> Go hang out with these cats for a couple minutes. Yo, what's up, man? Yeah, a little drop in. Just chilling. That's dope. Chilling on the chilling, chilling. Well, appreciate it. I don't think I've ever noticed that you look like Holmes. Of Watson Watson and Holmes. Holmes. The comic book Watson and Holmes. Is he modeled after you? No, but when I first saw it, I was like. Because that's in Stephen Harris, right? No. This this was actually Rick Leonardi. Okay, all right. Uh, Steve actually has done uh, Watson and Holmes. Yeah. And um, has. I'm a big, a huge fan of Steve's to begin with. Me too. And then he did a piece, a Black Tribbles piece for us. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah, he right. did all of us, all of the Black Tribbles as and like superheroes. He just did a pencil sketch. Oh, no, I saw of a pic- And I was like, oh, my God. Pencil I'm, sketch I'm, of you. Yeah. Right? I'm a fan um, of his, too. Like, I'm a fan, but, like, I'm I'm giggly that I'm, like, a degree of separation away from him. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah he's, he's very, very dope. But, no, but when Watson and Holmes came out, I saw the book and was like, Really? That's that was totally my look in 2011. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. I, lo- I had a scarf like this, had a great scarf like this that I yep. got and lost. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> had a beautiful green Story corduroy really hat that I got I in Germany. Would, all right, and lost. Oh, yeah. So, don't loan me your stuff. There you go. All right. I didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to. You know, no, no, see, no, see no, what the no. cool kids were doing tonight. No, no. I don't know, but we're, we're, say, we're, we're recording a podcast. <laughs> I know we're that. What movie are we uh, we're doing? Pearly Victorious. I don't know that one. 1963. Did you I, ever see the play Pearly? I don't think that I have. Oh, oh you're, you're missing out. You should you should hunt down the, the musical. Oh. Sherman Helmsley, Melba Moore. Word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my. Is that Cleavon Little that plays Pearly? In the original stage production? Yes. In, in the, yeah, yeah, Cleavon Little. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes, sir. Oh. Yeah, and a and a play a uh, a musical adapted from a play written by Ozzy Davis. Ozzy Davis, really? Right. So it is well, all Ozzy Davis. Damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna just shut up and and, and listen. Like I said, I just wanted to be around. <laughs> well, we didn't even get into the <laughs> right, right. We're still right. doing mail still doing, and, and still feedback doing email and, and stuff. Um, you know. So so anyway, let's go. all right. Where were we? Uh, we were announcing? We were announcing that in December we're going to be debuting a new monthly show called the Binge Lounge. Um, which is basically going to be the Michelle Missions TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be essentially two men, one TV show, one season. Um, and then we'll also get into some right, right. Some talk about some of the other shows that are out there right. and some very special episodes. Vince has this whole diatribe that he wants to go in on on some very special episode of, what's the show you wanted to? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right, sexual assault special episodes. Yes, special assault right, right, episodes. Right. It's like you know, Dudley got molested at the bike shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, Freddie almost got raped by the last dragon. Yeah, yeah, you did. know, yeah, it's, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a little touchy. Um, JJ thought he had VD. I do remember that. Yeah, JJ because JJ, JJ, oh, yeah. remember it had a little blue screen at the front that said this is a an episode that deals with mature topics. Yeah. Yeah, and that girl said, "I got VDJJ, and you the one that gave it to me." Yeah, so we're going to talk about a, a lot of like you know some some of your more popular uh, uh, 
famous, very special episodes and TV tropes regarding black television or black actors and stuff like that, as well as focusing on one season of uh, one particular show. So right, we'll, right, we'll right. be able to offer you insight on shows such as Netflix, The Get Down, Queen Sugar, Greenleaf, uh, Atlanta, Issa Rae's new show. Oh, Atlanta. Um, good stuff. Oh uh, yeah, Atlanta's pretty. It's very Atlanta's good. Atlanta's very good. Uh, and um, and also trying maybe when the you know the opportunity presents itself, dip back into the vaults a little bit. Sure. And maybe review like a, a section of shows of some past shows. I would love to like just really sit down and talk about um, how groundbreaking and then how. Uh, what happened somewhere during the middle of the historic run of the Jeffersons. Okay. Myself. Um, I want to talk about um, Baby I'm Back with Damon Wilson and Lynette McKee. You don't want to talk about... The, How about that? You don't want to talk about the new Odd Couples with Damon, Damon Wilson, Wilson and Ron and- Glass? <laughs> nice pull. Showing our nice age. Pull. Showing our age. That's what we're doing. It's the Odd Couple, but now they're black. <laughs> <laughs> It's a horrible show. It's such a horrible show. Um, Wait, how old was that show? How long was it? That's like eighty one. Yeah, that's very eighty two. Very early. Yeah, and I think it 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 went off in the early eighties too. Or or what was the name of the show where T C Carter played the genie? Ooh. To the white dude. Oh wow! And I, then he was calling the white dude master. And then I think like it came on, and somebody realized that this wasn't a good look. And then it got canceled like halfway through the first episode. Yeah, <laughs> I remember <laughs> that. Like somebody raised their hand and said, "I don't know if the black guy should be calling the white guy master." It was just it was uh, just our luck. Just our luck. Just, how many uh, how many episodes uh, did just our luck have? That's a very good question. That's a, it was actually uh, 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 T K Carter. Yes, uh, I said. T- did I say TC? Yeah, yeah TK Carter. TK Carter. Um, it at two. It lasted thirteen episodes. There is no really? way. There is no way. There are thirteen episodes of just. It doesn't mean. Thir- it doesn't mean thirteen episodes aired. aired. Okay, okay, I was right. about to say. It means they filmed thirteen. Episodes. And what year was that? Eighty three. I was about to say. I was like a little kid. I was like, "There's no way this is a good idea." So, so now for all for for most of our audience, which is a lot younger than me and me and Vince and Randy, yep. uh, just our luck is an American sitcom that aired on ABC. Uh, it, it was considered a modern a modernized version of I, I Dream, Dream of, of Genie, Genie, right? With the star Richard Gilliland. As a mild-mannered TV weatherman, and T.K. Carter as a hip, fun-loving, three-thousand-year-old genie who is freed by by Gillian after being imprisoned in this bottle for over two centuries. Um, the N- NAACP. <laughs> <laughs> He ended up the NAACP. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Just our luck was created. By ABC uh, and aired on ABC to, to compete against the A team on NBC, but low but earned low ratings uh, for much of its run. It was poorly received by critics and was the subject of controversy when the NAACP charged the show with promoting negative stereotypes of African Americans. The NAACP originally campaigned to have the show removed, but later settled for a degree of creative control in its development. Um, thus, the uh, which led to the hiring of black staff writers and the adif- addition of actor Leonard Simon to the cast. Uh, the show was uh, canceled after three months. 
you know, I love stuff that has to do with like people of color or, or like minorities, where you know nobody, nobody was, was in the room but white nobody. people, not a soul, not a damn. Soul. Like the people bringing the bagels and the coffee, they were white. Like everybody was white. Yeah, everybody. It was, it was all white, and he played a genie named Shabu. Yes, a genie named Shabu. Shabu. Dear God, <laughs> <laughs> I have a theory about that. About a. Uh, the second Transformers movie. Okay. Uh, the one with the two robots named Skids and Mudflap. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And couldn't read. Yes. I have this theory that they filmed all of their scenes without Tyrese anywhere near it. Right, right, right. And they filmed his scenes like completely. And then they just made the movie. And then he was like, wait, what? Wait, what? Yeah. Huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, How? yeah. How did this happen? And there was just nobody else Again, of color involved. You, you got to have somebody else in the room, or at least bounce it off of somebody. Because yeah, well. yeah, find a black friend and be like, "Hey, so I'm thinking, black friend, woman friend, Asian, like whatever it is that your blonde spot is, you need to bounce it off somebody. Did just you say our your luck. blonde spot. <laughs> he meant blind. It, blind. It, it, yeah. That was it's, that it's was the Baltimore. amazingly Freudian. Yeah. Right it, there, no, no. He, he said yeah. blind. It's yeah, the, whatever. It's the Baltimore. Yeah, whatever your okay. blind spot. Right. It's the, it's the Baltimore. Uh, just our luck was T.K. Carter's first starring role. He was very enthusiastic about the series and at a, at a press conference told journalists that he wanted Shabu to be seen in regards to younger viewers as, and I quote. The first black superhero. He later objected oh to comparisons to uh, to "I Dream of Genie" and responded to critics saying, uh, uh, "responded to critics' charges of racial stereotyping." Shabu doesn't have a master because he doesn't believe in master. I made it clear that I won't do that job routine, acting like some cat in a black El Dorado drinking a kool-aid daiquiri with a hat as big as a house when shabu pops out of the bottle he's wearing a bill blast raw silk suit you're not going to see me wearing a lot of jewelry and stuff yeah so i, I don't know if just our luck will make it its way to the binge lounge um <laughs> i have to say we've made it sound much more interesting we, we have we have we may have to do a screening of, yeah, of, of the, just our luck just yeah, our luck. yeah. Yeah. Can you man? You, all right, we, all right. We, we haven't even got to review. I was about to say we're what twenty minutes. Twenty in? minutes in, we haven't even. We're haven't still in twenty-five the, minutes in, yeah. We're still on emails. Trying, all right, you at least right. got to find the pilot to just start All right, all right. Uh, I, we we got more feedback. All right, what else we got? We got more. We got feedback from Twitter. Uh, that I read, and then we're going to get to. Believe me, ladies and gentlemen, this uh, we we actually do have a show, to, a movie to review. Um. Tom Laporta, the 39th triple, hit us up. Okay. In regards to um, our, a lot of people were touched by our James Bond, James Bond conversation at the beginning of the. Right, right. Well, you know, I know it's James Bond Beyond people. the Lights. You know. He said, uh, sorry, guys. Uh, Living Dangerously is the worst James Brown movie ever. It's awful and actively Bond, racist. Bond. James Bond. James Bond movie ever. It's awful, awful and actively racist, worse than Moonraker, worse than Quantum of Solace. And Roger Moore is in For Your Eyes Only, which is pretty great. Ooh, great is real strong. Yeah, that's, you're really stretching it there, Tom. You're really stretching it there, dog. But uh, What I call live and let die actively racist. 
It probably is because it because you got to remember when it came out. It came out like like they always are, like right at the. Cusp it was on of the, the cusp of, of the black exploitation. Yeah, like he so was they trying were, to. They were playing off of that, so I could see that in in those filmmakers' hands. I can see them getting it wrong. Some of the nuances. I just think Jeffrey Holder is so magnetic, and he, that he kind of transcends it. He well, he is, especially considering it is a James Bond movie. So he's you know his over the topness, right? Like I feel like James Bond is almost like a supporting actor. Well, yeah, in well, Live certainly. and Let Die, well, like certainly. like you know, he 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 looks like he's in the wrong movie. Right, right. Anytime you got a black dude barefoot with some drums and some paint on and a top hat i'm not going to push too hard against i think that's racist right like i'm not really going to plant my flag there i hear you but you know now we got i've heard that argument before but you know you know did you see um live and let die yeah i've seen live and let die lots of times actively racist um passively racist passively the idea was probably to you know incorporate some Vodun uh elements into it. Yeah. And maybe they didn't get all the facts. Right. And they by like all of they the were facts. like, well let's what's what uh, what what do we remember as voodoo? Uh, uh what's, some what's snakes the, and some, some drums. Snakes, some drums, a and... uh, guy in a top hat, uh go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know I don't know if anybody did the research. No. But I, I but I don't know that anybody was doing the research at the time. No. I don't go back and get mad at old racism. Old racism wasn't like if you're racist now with Google in your hand at, at all times, you know what? I got a problem. If you were racist in 1964, yeah, it was bad, but you, if you were actively racist, obviously. But if you were a guy in Hollywood that was like, what do I know about black people? Hmm, I'm going to make a TV show and hope it works. I don't know how mad I'm going to be at you. See, I see, I see. I I hear what you're saying, but I disagree um, because I think that no matter where you are in life, basic human rights is just basic human rights that should be um, doesn't have any color to it. And the while nobody may be calling it on you, calling checking you for it to your face white privilege was large and in charge oh without question in right. the 60s you know and black people existed yeah like you could have asked somebody but here's the thing here's the thing um white privilege existed but white people didn't know what white privilege was only because and, and, only and, because and they weren't listening to us it's not even that they it's not even that they weren't listening um because to be totally honest a lot of them aren't listening now but the idea was, you know, it was very much a th- a thing of its time, and so again, it was it wasn't it wasn't right. It had never been right, but it wasn't challenged to the degree that it is now. I I, I don't I, I don't think that it was because a lot of the, a lot of the people, a lot of the brothers back then were were you know were just trying to get by. It was like you know what I I, I understand that this is a terrible thing, but I got to feed my kids, sort of stuff. No, so, so everybody right, in Live right. and Let Die, and it was easy to all ignore. the dudes were like, you know what, you know, whatever, I got to feed my kids sort of thing. I don't want to go too far down that. Uh, that could be a whole other 
Right. Michelle Mission. Plus, now I think I got to go watch Live and Let Die again. Yeah. Right. So, no, you so, don't. Yeah. So, um, was in there, right? The, the, you already said his name. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Holder. Holder. Jeffrey Holder. Jeffrey Holder. Yeah. Um, we also got, believe it or not, some people actually listened to the review of Beyond the Lights. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and, um, we reviewed the movie. Yeah. We got some feedback. Um, uh, a series of very nice emails from A Black Life at Bri Joy on Twitter, who said that this was a great discussion. But as an age peer of the character Noni, okay, I disagree regarding her her hair. Okay, our generation is the natural hair generation. Going natural as extension of self isn't for everyone, but there are myriad uh, myriad examples, a la uh, Solange Knowles, uh, Beyonce's sister. Good points, however, on the legitimacy of black paranoia uh, slash skepticism okay very good thank so, you yeah we, we appreciate that and thank you for thank mm. you for listening as well as i don't know if you saw this real um, quick i don't want to lose this though if, if if solange wrote a great essay this week and everybody needs to read about solange knows solange knows about black women in white spaces so i just wanted to put a pin in that later. where where is that essay? it is on her website okay saint saint Heron or Saint Heron, I don't know how to pronounce it. Saint Heron, Saint Heron dot com. But but just look up Solange, um, black women in in white spaces. Very smart, very smart, very insightful essay. But go ahead. She has proven herself. I I, I find myself, uh, um, at least interested in her. Thinking. I love Solange. I I find myself more and more interested in yeah. her singing. Yeah, I love Solange in, in, in her thinking. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know whether or not she is trying to continue the music thing or anything like that. She's making music. She just had an album. Like she's making an album now. I'm a fan. You better like Shalon. She might kick your butt. See now, see that you didn't have to go there. That was uncalled for. Again, I, we we're all, she can blow. I'm actually yeah. a fan of hers too. Yeah, we're we're, I, we're already drifting. But I did want like she mentioned her name. I thought you know, and he's out. All right, that's what Super Trouble does. That's what Super Trouble comes Trouble in does. and saves a segment and then he bounces. Peace. All right. Um, but speaking of Beyond the Lights, we actually were heard on by from someone who said that they appreciated the conversation. Yes. Even the perspectives that I disagree with. Okay. And that someone was Gina Prince Bythewood. How about that? The director of Beyond the Lights. Beyond the Lights. Well, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Yes. And, very much and so. responding. And, and and I really thank you because it's very nice to hear from a director uh, appreciating uh, a review that we have done where I wasn't the one. <laughs> so I, I really thank you. I really, really, Gina, you are like now my best friend. Um, um, but that's really that's really dope. That, that was really. Dope. Yeah, that is nice. It is. It is dope to hear from artists. Yeah. And, yeah, and that, that, that can appreciate, you know. That we, you know, just like Dorian said, that we are not just saying we don't like anything because, hey, you know, it doesn't smell right. Due diligence. Yeah, I appreciate you know, that. So thank you. I really do. Um, okay, we got one last announcement, then we're going to get to the review. Okay. Uh, we heard from uh, Tom Laporta. He actually has a, a podcast that he does um, that is called Don't Touch My Coffin. And he let us know that said, um, because we can no longer go a week without mentioning it, I recently have come into possession of a copy of Abby, the oh, Black Exorcist. Did he really? Yes, he does. Did anyone else come into a 
<laughs> well, he says, ask me no questions about where and I'll tell you no lies. I hear you. Uh, it looks atrocious on an audio video level, but it is fascinating. Um, and, and we do appreciate that, uh, Tom. And big shout out to you and your podcast. Don't touch my coffin. Uh, we have an announcement to make. We do. We do. The Michelle Mission also has, through legal um, legal t- uh, ways, has uh, procured a copy of Abby the Black Exorcist. We have indeed. And what are we going to do with that copy? Well, here's what we're going to do. Now, October is coming. And October, as you all know, is the time... It's the time of Halloween and ooh, things that go bump in the night. And we're going to be doing a, a number of shows in October um, in combination with uh, another po- great podcast out of, out of Philadelphia, the Graveyard Shift Sisters. We're going to be doing reviews of Ganja and Ness mm-hmm. and Death by Temptation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we're going to do one other very special show in in October with another podcast, uh, Cinemosity. Okay. Uh, we're going to do a review of a horror film, a black horror film that's yet to be uh, determined. Um, we're going to be reviewing that. But we are also going to be doing two things just for you, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to review the movie Abby the Black Exorcist. Yes. We are going to do that. We're going to invite uh, the the crew of don't touch my coffin to come down and be a part of that review. Okay. Because that review and screening screening of Abby, the screening of Abby, the black exorcist will be taking place at on Friday, October 28th at amalgam comics and coffee house right here in Philadelphia. So we will be taping our podcast. Yes. Live. We will be doing a live show mission Friday, October 28th at 8.30 p.m. at Amalgam Comics and Coffee, 2578 Frankfurt Avenue here in Philadelphia. Everybody knows Amalgam Comics because it is the only comic book store and coffee house, but it's the only comic, comic book store here on the East Coast that is owned by a black uh, woman. Ariel Johnson, the Amalgam Tribble in the Tribble Nation, um, has very, very graciously um, allowed us to screen this what the F movie, in her words, uh, (laughs) at Amalgam's Comics. They have a huge screen that we're going to have it uh, on. We're going to have some, as you know, if you've ever been to Amalgam Comics, they are known for their original pastries yeah um so you can uh they're going to create an original pastry i don't know exactly what but she says they're going to make make a abby centric pastry very nice for the night it's going to be a lot of fun we're going to have more details coming um in the weeks ahead but we really and it's absolutely 100 percent free yeah but seats are limited. Seats are limited. So you've got to let us seats know. Seats are limited. You've got to let us know if you want to come down and be a part of the free screening and recording. Our first live recording. Our first, our first live show. Our yeah. first live yeah, show yeah. with Michelle Mission. It's absolutely free, but we just would need you to, uh, to hit us up. 
Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jackie's Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, and style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top 5s like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh, what's the best way to eat a taco, Vince? With your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. So... And it's very easy. Just hit us up on Twitter. Uh, hashtag Abby Michaud. That's A-B-B-Y-M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X. Hit us up. Hashtag Abby Michaud. And let us know that you want to be down. You want to be at Amalgam Comics for the screening of Abby the Black Exorcist. And when I tell you, ladies and gentlemen... Their words do not do this movie justice. This movie is insane. It's it's <laughs> it's something. <laughs> yeah, it's it's something. It's something. All right. Um. It, it 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 has to be seen. Yes. It has to be seen, and it will be Friday, October twenty eighth, at Amalgam Comics. Abby, the Black Exorcist, the first live event. First live event. The Michelle Mission. Very nice. All right. All right. Let's get into Ossie Davis, Ruby D, uh, Alan Alda. Alan Alda. Wow. Wow. Godfrey Cambridge. Godfrey Cambridge. Sorrel Book. And Sorrel Book. That's right. Boss Hog himself. Boss Hog himself. It's 1963's Pearly Victorious. Now, whatever you do, don't panic. Whatever you do, don't pay. Just walk like I taught you to walk, and talk like I taught you to talk. Talk like I walked you to. Duty bell. Yes, Reverend Pearlie. Wake up. Oh my goodness, Reverend Pearlie, was I asleep? Alert. Alert. Wide awake. Wide awake. Up on your toes. Up on your toes. That's just a figure of speech. Now, one more time. And what might be your name, little gal? Beatrice Judson, sir. And what might be your daddy's name, little girl? Horace Judson, sir. And what they teach you up there in that there college, little girl? It was my major education, old Captain. You mean you majored in education? Well, now, ain't nothing wrong with Negroes getting education, I always say. But then again, ain't nothing exactly right with it either. Because <laughs> me. Now, you wouldn't mind if old Captain was to call you Cousin B, now, would you, honey? Oh, sir, I'd be delighted. Don't be delighted till he puts the money in your hand. Okay, so here we have Pearly Victorious. As, as Lynn mentioned, this is a 1963 film. It was also called uh, Gone Are the Days. So sometimes you yes. see it billed as Gone Are the Days. It's based, again, on Ozzie Davis's 1961 play of the same name pearly victorious and for many people and i include myself 
in this number it was adapted into its format that that a lot of people know more and that would be the musical pearly and that's pearly exclamation mark that came out in 1970 and many of your pearly fans may have seen the version from the um the 1981 version that yeah. was televised mm-hmm. and that's the one with melba moore and sherman Holmesley. and i know on the local pbs affiliate in baltimore they ran that thing like you know twice a year two or three times a year they would run it oh yeah cause that that'll bring in the um bringing the donation oh yeah yeah and pearly is the story of the the title character uh reverend pearly victorious played by a very young ozzy davis and ozzy davis is from kachete um kachete county named after old cap kachete who is basically the the white owner yes of this area it's it's in rural georgia it's a small county in georgia and you know old cap kachete owns the cotton fields and he owns the commissary and he basically owns this is sort of a classic case of sharecropping where if you don't know how sharecropping works you it, it is basically a scam where the people who work the land always end up owing more money to the people that own the land right. than they can make off of the crops and it, it basically was it's basically how how slavery transitioned mm-hmm. for 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 mo- for um a lot of people so pearly is from this area he comes back with um with Ludabel played Gussie. played by a young ruby d and he has come up with this plan that they are going to pass Ludabel off as his cousin who has a $500 inheritance and they're going to use this inheritance to buy a church and it's going to be the first integrated church besides Ozzy Davis, Ruby D and the aforementioned Sorrel book who plays old cap. You also have, um, Pearlie's brother, Gitlo, <laughs> played by Godfrey Cambridge. You have Charlie, uh, Catchapee, who is Old Cap's son, who is much more progressive than his father, and that is played by Alan Alda. And sidebar, I, I read about, even though Alan Alda plays plays um, Sorrel Book's son, right. Alan Alda is only six years younger oh. than Sorrel Book. So you have that. Uh, you, you know, you also have um, Hilda Haynes, who plays Missy. And then, you know, you also have a very, you know, have, have an appearance by one of my favorite sort of character actors from this moment b richards who does b Richards? she play? plays um oh she plays um the uh the, like the cook i want to say isabel but that doesn't sound right it's like right in front of us it is it, it was right in front of us that's about to say everything well we spent so much time talking about um <laughs> about everything else about everything else everything went dark and i lost all of the <laughs> all of the cast all of the cast that's all the cast. Just uh, Idella. Yeah. Idella Landy. And it is, you know, it's a farce. It's a farce. It's a romp. Um, Tonally, it's very light, which, you know, I want to talk about a little more like the lightness of tone. Um, Ozzy did kind of, you know, I know this is probably no great surprise. Ozzy Davis and Ruby D have amazing chemistry. You, you know, I think Ozzy Davis, one of the great. I wonder why. 
Well, <laughs> right. I think <laughs> exactly. Who would think that these two married people have great chemistry? But, you know, I was thinking about Ozzie Davis and, and, you know, just the things I've seen Ozzie Davis in. And, you know, Ozzie Davis is one of those actors who is great at monologues, like just at talking. And, you know, this is a film where Ozzie Davis talks and talks and talks. You know, he's playing this preacher and they kind of play it tongue in cheek that, you know, he's very sort of verbose. But there it I. I am I I can listen to Ozzy Davis talk forever and I think the funny thing is that Ruby D you can see on her face that she is someone who also likes to hear him talk. Okay. Um it's not a naturalistic film and like I said it is a farce, it is a romp. Um if you thought that Boss Hog, if you liked Boss Hog but you felt like Boss Hog was a little too subtle for you, like if you wanted to see Boss Hog played up three more notches mm-hmm. then old cap is the character for you because he really is almost this caricature of the old southern gentleman like you know i think colonel sanders saw an early um an early print of this film and said i think old cap needs to take it down a little bit like i think it's like um yosemite sam and the colonel Colonel Sanders saw this and said, I don't know if he really represents us as well. And on the, <laughs> you know, and on the flip side, you have um, Godfrey, Godfrey Cambridge as Gitlow. And Gitlow is, is, you know, this sort of old timey caricature of a yes, a boss Negro. Yeah. And, you know, although they, they, they sort of play off of that throughout the film, you, you know, I did find it sort of um noteworthy that old cap and gitlow have this really kind of symbiotic relationship compared to the other characters in the play and and how they kind of deal with each other so you know yeah a couple other things i feel like we start with that that's enough go ahead and start uh pearly victorious 1963 this was um it's interesting it's an interesting film uh, you're right. First of all, when you say that Ossie Davis, who again, this is kind of like how I felt when we watched uh, Uptight, where Ruby D was in that movie as well. It's almost a little shock to the system to see Ossie Davis and Ruby D young. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're so used. To, I mean, and, and they've been old since I remember. Right, right. They've always been old. Right, right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so it's it's really interesting to watch them young. It's real interesting to, to see Ruby D. There's a scene in here where she's kind of like just romping around in the field and jumping right. up and down off of off of a swing. And like Ruby D. is being young and playful and sassy and sexy. I'm like, that's that. It kind of felt weird. It didn't kind of, that's kind of that's kind of weird. Because yeah. you know, Ruby D is drop dead gorgeous, a gorgeous woman, man. Yeah. But it's like watching your grandmother. Yeah, you know? yeah. So it's like, yeah. I felt a little weird about that. But uh, I see Davis. He is a brother that that loves his voice. <laughs> he does. He's a man that loves to hear himself talk. Um, and but it makes sense because this. While we are watching a movie, this is first and foremost was a play. Right. And because of that, a lot of there is a lot of expository dialogue in this 
movie, especially in kind of like the whole setup, the whole setup of what the story is, is told in like the first couple of scenes, you know, the explainer who uh, Little Bell is and what the scheme is and why they're doing this scheme. Right, um, right. Because you've really got to introduce this whole scheme of playing her off as this cousin who you've never met. Right. And this cousin is like the the daughter of someone who died who you never met. Right. So, you know, you've got to get this whole history lesson through the dialogue as well. Typical of a lot of plays. Right. So it's it's not weird to hear that knowing that it's a play. It may be a little weird to hear that played out the way it is if this was just a straight ahead movie. Right. Um, but you're kind of let in on the trick that it's a play right from the top. I love yeah. Which I loved. Yeah. I love the top in where you're 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 first you're transported into the future a little bit uh, at a funeral where where you know something crazy has happened because as the coffin is being let in the coffin is upright. (laughs) (laughs) The coffin is standing up at this funeral. So you know like you know something there's a story here right and and it's at that moment that the camera takes a very cool upward angle as ozzy davis and godfrey cambridge break the fourth wall and invite you to hear the story of this upright coffin right at which point everyone in this church this mock church stands up and the walls of the church part right as they walk into ostensibly what is the movie right um back in time to uh uh, i i guess a few days before you know the proceedings which is cool it's cool from a theatric point of view it's cool from just a movie making point of view especially considering that this is 1963 um it's not unheard of even then for movies to break that fourth wall it maybe is still it's maybe a little bit out of the norm for you to break the fourth wall and then part the other three at the same time right right so that's pretty groundbreaking um and very inventive yeah uh, considering especially considering that the director of this movie nicholas webster his other claim to fame it would be the following year when he directs santa claus conquers the martians right so a, a fine film a fine film but he obviously you know used all of his tricks <laughs> here on pearly victorious so when that happens even though I'm hearing, I'm definitely buying into the whole farce of it. Yes. Um, and I'm buying into the, okay, this is the play and the trappings of a movie, so I got to let go. Uh, and Ossie Davis is loving, loving the sound of his voice, but it's a nice voice, so I'm checking it out. So I'm buying into all that. When all that happens, I'm along for that ride. Mm-hmm. I'm really am along for that ride. It's like, okay, all right, I like where we're going. We're going someplace different. We're going to try and be funky with this. All right, I'm with it. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's at that point though that the movie lets me down. Okay, because that energy that's right there in that opening is lost. Okay, because the rest of the movie is just almost straight stage. Um. 
uh, uh, stage as if it is a play with a ca- with the camera sometimes locked in such a position that it's missing a lot of the action mm-hmm. that is that is happening off screen. Um, the scene where I talked about Ruby D and, and and the rest of the movie is is definitely shot on a sound stage, mm-hmm. which is fine. That that and which actually. I welcome because of that opening. Like, yo, we are in the sound stage. Let's see some more of that inventive playing around with the whole with the whole scenery. But you don't you don't do that. It's played in a sound on a sound stage to as in most movies to give the appearance that it actually is happening outside. Um, and you know that because once when you see the scene of Ruby D romping around on the on the on the uh, swing, like I told you, and I think maybe on maybe one or two other scenes, mm-hmm. it cuts to an outside scene that was obviously filmed outside. Right, right. It's filmed like in in some some uh, uh, um, some yard or something like that, or some some park, you know, to get this outside feel, which is cool in in and of itself. But with all of that groundbreaking uh, staging uh, and set set decoration from the beginning and then in that whole soundstage to now try and, you know, actually cut to an outside scene when we already know that you're not outside. Right. It took me a little bit out it's of the movie. It's a little movie. jarring. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like you're, you're, you don't know which way you want to go with with the with, with the style in which you want to tell this story. Right. And the story it's a very simple story. It's told with a whole lot of stereotypes. Everybody's pretty much like a, a caricature, but they are a caricature for a reason to, right. to get over the overall message of this movie. So I'm fine with that. But that jarringness to the direction and to the cinematography was so much so that I just I I just wanted them to just stop and just do the play. Right. You know, which is why I think it's um not that the the play Pearly ultimately was the greatest greatest success. It actually wasn't that much of a, a success in its, in its original Broadway run mm-hmm. in the play as Ossie Davis wrote it it wasn't until it was rewritten it, as, as a the musical. musical right right that's when it really is taken on the legendary status that it has over the years um and you can you can see that because the other thing that the film that filming this does with such poor direction there's a lot of time where the dialogue you can tell by the rhythms of how everybody is is giving their lines it's supposed to be it's supposed to yeah. have a nice little rhythm yeah but that direction and the editing cuts that ribbon so that rhythm uh to pieces so that it's not there so you do have somebody with the with the tone of Ossie Davis who is who is just you know like going for it in yes. every one of his lines i mean he he's he's talking a, a lot of uh nothingness that is saying something if you listen in between the words. Right, right, right. But because you're not catching the rhythm, sometimes you're losing it. Yeah. And because of that also, I have the sense of the chemistry that you see between him and Ruby D. I honestly think 
that's because I've seen them so much together as opposed to what I'm seeing in this movie. Okay. I don't really see the chemistry in this movie. I see a lot of disjointedness in the mo- in this movie. Honestly, some of the, the best chemistry in the movie is like you just said, is between the Kachipi character and Gitlo. Yes. You know, Godfrey Cambridge and Sorrow Books because they do, they are allowed to come to develop like a little bit of a sing song. Right. Because when they are in scenes together, there's not a lot of cutting. There's not a lot of cutting to close ups. It pretty much is a nice little uh, t- tight two-man shot on them so they are allowed to just give their dialogue in the rhythm uh, that you would imagine they performed it at on the stage. Right. So I feel their um, chemistry much more so than Ossie Davis and Ruby D. And it's interesting you mentioned about their characters. What their character brought to mind to me was the character that Leonardo DiCaprio and Samuel Jackson played in Django Unchained because Sure. Uh, uh, Samuel Jackson is kind of like the, you know, dark skinned Uncle Tom in that movie to Leonardo DiCaprio's, you know, slave owner. Right. Um, it, maybe less so than Get Low, because Get Low definitely was full of side eye in this movie um, to, to great effect. Yeah. Because you know? yeah. um, I love myself some Godfrey Cambridge. So I, I was I was feeling that. Um, but it. it the their interactions kind of just reminded me of of that those two characters um but ultimately because of that i walked away n- not enjoying this movie as much as i wanted to right well you want to see pearly yeah you want to you want to see pearly i i i agree it's it's funny you you kind of reference those two characters in django cuz i do think one of the thing i i think there are some tone issues and, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, part of that has to do with kind of what you point out that you have these characters, this, this subgroup of characters that it's almost this heightened reality where it is this theatrical nature to their performances. Yeah. And the other characters don't, aren't on the same wavelength. Like I won't say they don't rise to the occasion, but they aren't like, like clearly pearly old cap and get low are doing something different than these other characters. Ruby D then Ruby D and Alan Alda. And I think that's part of the reason why ultimately Pearly is more of a successful interpretation of this story than Pearly victorious, because now you have the whole cast at that level and and, and they're all singing and they're all performing Mm -hmm. and there's all of, there's all of this. But I, I think part of, of the reason that those three characters in particular are are acting like this. It's like there's this really cool subtext to the film kind of talking about the artifice of kind of the mythology of the South. If That's, you true. Will. That's true. And, you know, yeah. I thought that, yeah. you know, one of the things I liked about Django was that, you know, both of those characters, Samuel Jackson and um, Leonardo DiCaprio, DiCaprio's character were put like that was that was their guys yeah when they were in public Mm -hmm. and then when they were private they had a whole different relationship and and you know i think you know to go back to pearly victorious i trust ozzy davis enough 
that I know Ozzie Davis was trying to speak to that. No, he was. And you know, and, and there are so many lines in the play. Like, like there's this wonderful line where Ruby D's character, you know, where where Ruby where, where uh, Ludabelle figures out that she's going to have to pretend to be this other woman, and it never dawned on her that she'd have to pretend in front of white people. Mm-hmm. And Pearly says, "What are you talking about? Some of the best acting that black people do." Yeah, is in front of white people. Yeah, and there's all of this, all of this uh, about how black people put on this mask, you, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, put on this mask, and you know, kind of in front of white people. And I like that. Now, how well does that come across? Like we said, I don't know if it comes across that well, but it's there. It is. And and there's a great line in in this movie. I think it's um, Hilda Haynes says it uh being colored can be real fun when nobody's, when nobody's looking. looking how awesome is that yeah, line that's a great line because she's talking about all the different things that she likes about being black and yeah yeah I, I actually wrote that down too but um speaking of that and speaking of of sort of the mythology of the um of the south there was something that i was sort of dealing with and and saying you, you know like like i was challenging myself and I said, you know, if a white person had written this, would I have gotten angry about its depiction of things? Because it's sort of like it's the Hogan's Heroes thing. Yeah. Where like Hogan's is. Heroes is. is like this comedy set in a Nazi POW camp. Yeah. And you've got these madcap Nazis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember there was a little pushback with even Raiders of the Lost Ark where Steven Spielberg had them as sort of cartoon villains Mm -hmm. and you know and the the sentiment was this is nothing to be played this is nothing to be played with and and certainly you you know if if you've listened you know one of my things is sort of the depiction of the south and in these sort of relationships between these you know benign white people in these special relationships with these you know talked about dry miss daisy and all of that and there is an element of this film that sort of you know you have the the, the two basically overseers mm-hmm. on the um farm and they're kind of played as buffoons yeah and you you know there's that part at the end where you know old cap is basically being frisky and i think that's the word that they use he's frisky and right. he's old tom cat mm-hmm. with um Ludabel. Mm-hmm. and you know these are real these are real issues that women had to deal with you know issues of sexual assault you know the whole thing where he beat um pearly 20 years ago before he left and i don't know like ultimately what i came up with was i don't know like like i i kind of love this film just as a film i think all of the critiques we've had so far i i you know i really did like when it went off i really was like I kind of want to see Pearly now. Like I wanted to hear Sherman Helmsley sing his more than one way to skin a cat and you know, everything, but it kind of left a weird taste in my mouth. Seeing this, this setting Mm -hmm. played for laughs. And I don't like, I don't really have anything more to say than that. I just wanted to say that. And again, I kind of give it a pass. I gave it a pass and I give it a pass because Ozzie Davis wrote it. Yeah, Ozzie Davis actually wrote um, that the choice of humor was a realistic portrayal of the African-American experience. We told jokes, but we weren't telling jokes for the sake of getting off fast quips and gags. That stream of humor of humor 
had to carry our sense of self. So he was he was very um very cognizant of, you know, what he was doing right. in that movie. And and I felt that. I I felt that you know through the whole satire of it that it was about showing him getting over in a way or trying to get over in a way right over old massa you know right um so i i appreciated that and I, and I certainly appreciated that and you know again it's one of those things that in 1963 um is to be commended that it was made into a movie and yeah, put out yeah. there you know for public consumption you know no matter how it may have been received i think over overall it wasn't uh it wasn't a, a success the movie was not a success yeah yeah i mean you know it's it's it's, it's even with everything we said i think that's a tough yeah it's a tough sell, sell. for a white audience in 1963 it's a tough sell for uh, for a white audience in 1963 it is also just because of those same same uh reasons you know it's one thing to look at this from you know 2016 eyes right you're in the midst of 1963 yeah yeah i can see maybe being a little troubled yourself about watching these things it's sometimes it's one it's one thing to see something performed out on stage as opposed but having it being big on a big screen because you gotta imagine the movies were you know movies are by their nature and how they were depicted or meant to be depicted are larger than life. Right. So having something depicted coming out at you on this big screen, seeing the, seeing these type of characters, um, some people, I could see people being like, eh, I don't know if now's the time for it. Right, and right. not necessarily even giving it the attention that it requires to hear the satire in the words it's another thing when you're going when you're talking about a play because in a play a lot of times you're go, you're going to the theater especially back then with the idea that you're going for a more heightened sense of entertainment yeah yeah as opposed to movies which is certainly considered then a lot more disposable yeah you know and it is a lot right i mean not for nothing this is four years before in the heat of the night Exactly. Sidney Poitier slapped a white man. My father said he didn't see that scene until like six years after the movie came out because he first saw it in Mobile, Alabama. And they, oh, and, and they and cut they, that out. And they edited that scene out. So when he moved up north mm-hmm. and saw it, he didn't even know that that scene existed. That's another thing I was so, just thinking about. This movie, pro- this movie was probably just uh, um, like they didn't show this down south. Right. This did, right. this, this did not right. play below the Mason Dixon. Right, Mile. right, right, right. It's you the know? infamous Southern distributors. <laughs> yeah, how about that? Yeah. Um, it, it, yeah. It, like, ultimately, like I say, it's it's a it's a weird it's a weird movie. Um, it's in many ways probably even more dated than the play because the play because the, the, even the musical is a little dated. If you watched it now, I think it, you could it could still get over right because of the music. Like like it music. really is. It, it, like the musical is even more of a farce than this is. Yeah, it, yeah. Because like you say, all like the characters all are, of the characters, yeah, are, you know, yeah. playing it very big. It was kind of cool though to see. I have to admit to see like a young Alan Alda. I kind of <laughs> I, 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 okay. I, I I'm I'm a fan of Alan Alda. Okay. I've, I've long yeah. been a fan of him. 
Um, and it was really cool to see, like, I saw, like, little bits of Hawkeye. Right, some right, of the right. things that he was doing. Um, plus, you look, you, like, if you see him in, if you first come across him in uh, MASH, he's kind of, like, tall and lean. Here, he's still got a little bit of baby fat on him. Right, you right, know, he's right. He's a little doughy right, right. in this movie. Um, but it, it, it still was, it, it was really cool. I mean, it's, it's an interesting piece. It's just, um, and in and of itself, I, I, I would have loved the experimentation that they were doing for them to just right to go just for job. I say lean into that, just lean and into sort, that, and, right? And I think it, you would have had a lot more interesting and captivating of a film. Um, but and, and but because of that, I don't know whether or not I would say like you know you need to hear this because even even the writers of Pearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the writers of the musical Peter Udell and Philip Rose they kept so much of Ozzy Davis original script yes in their rewriting that they gave him a shared credit right right and and you you can actually hear yeah quotes from the film that are directly transferred, transferred over into into, into Pearly so you know for because of that honestly I don't think you need to see Pearly Victorious. Yeah, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you can cut two and go to Pearly. I I I I agree with you. Yeah. I think um I'm kind of fascinated by young Ozzy Davis. Cause like mm-hmm. you said, like when I think of Ozzy, I mean quite honestly, I always default to Ozzy Davis in Spike Lee films, frankly. Like like I think my my That's my real what him a, a, to a lot of people right, in, 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 yeah, in our, right. Yeah, like my yeah. real connection to him is in, you know, school days and you know do you want me to lose my job you, you mm-hmm, know in, in mm-hmm. jungle fever and um that's actually my wife's favorite role of his like that's that that monologue he has in in jungle fever is my wife's favorite ozzy davis really yeah um so it's nice seeing young ozzy davis yeah um powerful barrel young powerful and and sort of to reference a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago about how there's only room for one black leading man yeah. like we were talking about um denzel washington and all mm-hmm. those a- actors mm-hmm. around him at that moment like i like watching ozzy davis knowing that sydney portier is hitting his stride yeah and just kind of comparing and contrasting the way that these two men perform, their physicality. Because like you said, Ozzie Davis is a big dude. Mm-hmm. And he comes across mm-hmm. as a big... So I can see how, you know, that didn't necessarily transfer as well. Like, like I don't know if Ozzie Davis could have been in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. He could have played the father. Oh, no, I meant as Sidney Portier's character. Right, role. you know, I don't know how much yeah. Ozzie Davis is a patch of blue teaching blind white girls no about juices and things so no that being said i wouldn't mind seeing icy davis in um what the defiant ones with tony curtis yeah i wouldn't mind seeing him yeah or but he would have been dragging tony all over the place or 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 in poor game best wow so so anyway i'm kind of fascinated by that and then you know as we sort of mentioned earlier it's it's like when i think of young ruby d Back to Sidney Portier, I really only have the image from um, A Raisin in the Sun. Right. Like, that's my picture of young Ruby D. And then, yeah. you know, she was in Uptight, like, mm-hmm. which made, which kind of made me think of this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, seeing her kind of... And, and speaking of performances 
and comparing and contrasting it to Pearly. Melba Moore is so wonderful in Pearly and so over the top playing Ludabelle that I think Ruby D kind of pales in comparison to Melba Moore, which is probably the only time anybody's ever going to say that. So everybody sort of write that down and underline yeah. it Be- because, you know, sort of Ruby D playing this naive kind of, I don't know what's going on. You know, this character, mm-hmm. there's just this sophistication that comes off of Ruby D that doesn't read as that true it, to it, this it character. doesn't like like i had a hard that's time true. buying it that's true. even at you know at this moment you know where she's so young mm-hmm. it's um it's kind of like the the critiques or, or the the critiques before she actually played the character that people were saying about diane carroll playing claudine yes like i feel like they should have gone back in time and applied those critiques to ruby d yeah. Playing Ludabell, yeah, like you, you know, and again, Melba Moore is is fantastic as his character. Yeah, so maybe one of the best things Melba Moore that that's probably like that's her career making thing right there. I would say. Oh boy, we are digging now. Did Melba Moore act in anything? I think she did some like she did some TV. Well, remember she had the variety show with yeah. um, what's his name? What's his name from That's My Mama? Oh, wow. and Amen, Cleavon uh, Little. No, not Cleavon Little. Isn't it Cleavon Little? It's Cliff, Clifton Davis. Clifton Davis. Clifton Davis. Clifton Davis. Remember, she and Clifton Davis had a variety show. Yeah, Clifton Davis. Oh, man. The 70s were strange. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if I'd push anybody to watch this. No. I, I think, um, I you, you know, frankly, I, I pulled it off the shelf because I was thinking about Pearly. There you go. I was thinking about Pearly. I was like, oh, let's watch Pearly Victorious. Yeah, you pushed me to watch it. I did. And we won't do it to you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you don't have to go check it out. We watched it for you. Well, you know, again. Not that it's a bad movie. And, if you want right, to go check right, it out right. and, and, and again, please, please do. I think anything with Ozzy Davis and Ruby D in it is yeah. sort of by default is something that you should keep. You're right. Worth having on your show. Just the fact that, you know, them together. I, I think um, watch this and then watch Do the Right Thing. There you so, go. like, you see him early. You see him later there you together there you and kind of see that chemistry. All right, um, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it. Yeah, that's going to do it for this episode of the Michelle mission. As always, you can hit us up um, at Michelle mission at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at the Michelle mission. Go ahead and like us and please follow us at mission Michelle on Twitter. Uh, next week, we will be back with another stop on this lovely, lovely journey, the Michelle Mission, which you can find each and every episode on MichelleMission.com as well as on the Black Tribbles Podcast Network. And yo, it's 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 coming. It's coming, ladies and gentlemen. Some of you people here in Philadelphia, you've kind of like maybe caught wind that the Michelle Mission is actually now on fm radio it is it is playing on fm radio we just are not announcing it right now because the the set time hasn't been set so once the schedule is set and we can say that yo you can tune into to this station at this time to listen to the michelle mission yes we will blast it out there right. for you right now we're like brigadoon we just kind of appear every now and then. That's pretty or, much, that is what or, it is. Or, 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 here you go. You, you ready, Lynn? You ready, Lynn? Or we're like Marzal, which is the city of black people.
people that Tyrock <laughs> in the Legion of Superheroes <laughs> is from. Ah, you like that, Paul? I like that. You like that? I like that. Tyrock was from the 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 city of black people. <laughs> right. He had the 1970s superpower of yelling. <laughs> Tyrock. It's only a coincidence that sounds like Tyrone. <laughs> he had a big afro and a white unitard open down to his belly button and he had the superpower of yelling and he was from the island of black people. This is all true by the way. Very like, true. like I'm not making this up. Go check your 1970s Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes. High Rock. So we're like Brigadoon right now or Marzal. Take your pick. <laughs> but um, but uh, that's on radio. <laughs> on podcasting, we'll be right here next week on the Michelle Mission. My name is Len. His name is Vince. And party, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.